ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Ascend podcast, we bring to you another episode, another rambling of Observing Our Thoughts. And if you're new to these podcasts of Observing Our Thoughts, it's basically where me and Chris just sit down and have a deep purge of all the things that's on our minds and just try and make some sense of them. And in this one, we we talk about the idea and the concept of us humans only being an individualized human. And what I mean by that is that we're speaking in terms of our biology and where we actually originate from on the planet. We talk about human evolution and we ask the question, could it be wrong, which is an interesting one. We talk about Atlantis and eventually in this one, we do get to immortality. And if you want to support the podcast, we have a Patreon page. We also have a one-off donation option. And it really means a lot to us that you feel that this thing is worth a few bucks each month. It really does help us pay for the running of the podcast. And currently at the moment, it definitely doesn't cover the full running of the podcast, but any amount honestly is a big help. And we know that none of you out there have to do that, but any everyone who does, honestly, you are amazing. And we also understand that people can't support us. That's absolutely fine. You can even just support us by just telling a friend about the podcast or even just putting your positive thoughts out there towards us. So anyway, thank you so much and enjoy this conversation. So here we go. Here we go, brother. Another episode of Observing Our Thoughts. Observing Our Thoughts, man. What's it all about? So this time we might actually get to talk about immortality. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not promising it. <laughs> I'm definitely not promising it. Some of the other observing me thoughts I've got on my mind. Well, you know exactly how we go. <laughs> we go here, there, and everywhere. Deep down the rabbit hole. Oh, exactly. We were just talking about that. A little blast from the past. That were deep down the rabbit hole episodes. <laughs> God, they were good times. So anyway, where to dive in with this? So you, as I'm not gonna go too far into it, because mm-hmm. what I'm actually thinking about doing is I'm gonna do a Patreon bonus for the patrons, like for de- a deep introspection of what I'm gonna talk about here to go deeper. But basically, mm-hmm. just to give a quick gist of what I'm talking about is, I've just been away for a week and a half. I went to Italy. Yeah. And I'm basically gonna do a full, like I said before, I'm gonna do a full introspection rambling on for the patrons but just to give a quick gist to start this um observe me thought i've had so basically when i was away i was uh, walking through the city of naples and obviously when you're in the city, a city environment you get like a lot of introspection because you're sort of seeing a lot of people from 
different cultural backgrounds, people working different jobs. You get a lot in respect, you know what I mean, in a, in a yeah. city environment. And basically one of the things that I got was big introspection was that because at the minute in Naples, I don't know if you've been looking, but there's like a, a big refugee sort of crisis, it's called. Anyway, that's sort of the mainstream, right. what, the name that they put on top of it. Mm-hmm. But basically it's just people migrating from different parts of the world trying to get a better life, basically. Mm-hmm. But what happened is when I was in Naples, I took a wrong turn and, and I ended up in sort of down a back alley sort of thing. And there was like sort of an industrial, like old abandoned wasteland warehouse thing. Yeah. And there was lots of like refugees all sort of sleeping in tents and things like that. And then what I was thinking was is, is that because when we see on the mainstream media and things like that, the mainstream media portrays like it always uses like big words like immigration, people are migrating to our country mm. and things like that. Tactics to sort of make people like not want, the, yeah. Like breaking into their identity. Yeah. People, you, they were a threat to you. Yeah. People not want like sort of trying to portray it as a, this is bad. You don't want other people coming in your country. Mm-hmm. You need to protect what's yours and things like that. What about your jobs? Things like that. But besides all that, in respection that, that I got is that, and it's a thought I've had for a while, is that the idea of this individualized human. So we're portrayed, the media portrays that mm-hmm. me and you are white British. Yeah. Like that's what we are. That's all we are. You're just white British. That's it. Nothing else to it. Homegrown white British. But however, the on the top layer, most of society is telling you that, that this is you. This mm-hmm. is your skin color. This is your religion. This is where you're from. This is what your DNA says. This is da 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 all over the place. Mm-hmm. Separates all these different people all over. But if you start actually looking beneath them layers and looking deeper into who you truly are, yeah. And there's people. There's evidence of people now who have been doing uh, DNA tests and things like that. There was a guy called um, I can't remember his guy anyway, but there's a guy who wrote a book about this. How called basically that we're all brothers and sisters. And he was like going around, t- going on the street and uh, randomly getting getting people's DNA tests and saying, where do you think you're from? And then you would come back and the experiment and show them that they're actually from, not from just one country, mm-hmm. their DNA suggests that they're from multiple countries. So yeah. with the introspection that I had, and I've had it before, but it just sort of solidified in my mind, is that this idea of this indiv- individualized human, that we are white British, is flawed. Because I think if we do, I haven't done this, which I want to do, I want to see where I'm from, but I think we might actually find out that you're not, you may be not white British, you may be like 10% white British, you might be sort of acidic Jew, you might be Muslim, you could be Greek, you could be Italian. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But I still think, I think that what we don't realise is that human beings have been in a breeding um, moving around the planet for a lot longer than we've actually we actually think and mm-hmm. we've actually been told told yeah i completely agree i think um i think we are looking at right now we're at a point in time where we're heightened through social media to have an identity and we often identify with the people around us and the people around us who are marginally you're going to identify them with whatever you see visually so you're going to see like in the mirror if i see a white person I'll visually adapt to a white person because I have a visual similarity towards them. and But it's never often the case, and as you were just saying there, when we're actually looking at society as a whole, society is very mixed, very diverse across all layers, and that's fundamentally 
what it has been across of all time. Mm-hmm. But right now we're at a state of um, a state of proper transflux where we're really struggling to comprehend other identities. And because we're manifesting this identity that was so powerful, so so in tune with everyone around us because of the internet, we're really struggling to like break into other people's minds and and find out who they truly are, what they stand for, because we're too busy building up our own persona of what people want to see us as that we forget to see other people. And that's a scary thought, like how we're actually really losing touch with what it is, what it takes to be human. Because mm-hmm. fundamentally, each and every single one of us on the planet are human. We can sugarcoat it and just see it on the individual layers, how some cultures different differ from others. But fundamentally, we're all human beings. First, first yeah, and foremost. Exactly, first and foremost. And unfortunately, we are we are scared of introducing other cultures into our own environment. And whether this is like um, as a community based or even in your own home, you kind of you become the more and more you look inwards. Say like from your community to your house to inside you. The more you look inwards, the more fundamentally you know that what I am is truly just nothing, which is nothing at all. I'm not, I am not a house. I'm not a community. I'm not even a, a, a human being on this planet. At some point, I'm I'm a bit of dust, cosmic dust floating through the um, universe. And I try to and I try to put it as I try to think of it in a few different ways of, of, of what existence really is. I know I'm rambling here, but I'll look at it as um. Oh, who was that? Who had the amazing quote? I think it was. Oh, was it Dan Milliman? That might have been. He says, "Um, you are the entirety of the universe, acting as a human being for the short space of time." Yes, yeah, yeah. that was a brilliant quote. But then I like to look at it the other quote as I'm a complete speck of cosmic dust, in a vast fortitude of, of timeless energy gone by and that's the way i feel like sometimes i am because i like to feel that in both both part of the spectrum that means i can be a bit more like open to everything i can be open to like understand how other people feel and you understand i think as well i like you understand the insignificance of life but but you also understand as well that i think with that is that you understand that all these human human well, I don't even know what word what a word to use really but all these sort of human things that's been put on make believe human tendencies that's been put on top of ourselves. Like um you're the skin colour, you're this religion, you support this team, all yeah. these different boxes that everyone gets put in. The things to keep you on a limited plane, that's what they are. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have that bigger perspective that you're not them things, that's when you can be open to other cultures and things like that. I mean I think I mean there is um I mean, have you have you seen the Vice documentaries where the the immigrants are moving around the planet and stuff like that? No, no, actually, not It's interesting because this is the so I would say Vice is a very sort of um, very balanced, so it's uh, very doc- documentary. So the very so you get the both sides of the coin of both peoples. But if you watch the news and things like that, the the news are sort of like trying to culturally engineer mm-hmm. um, like mass deception, like people saying that this is bad, this shouldn't be happening. Like it's all on the side of to to me, it all seems like it's on the side of coming from like a higher agenda to mm. try and because you know if like um if more pe- if more human beings start interlinking around the planet, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot less 
it's going to be a lot less controllable. Oh, yeah. Because you're not going to have an understanding of who's where and who's things and how many people are here, how many people's paying taxes here, how many people's doing this. It's going to be a lot less controllable. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And So there's so many questions from that. Yeah, like what would... Uh, and this is what one of my observing thoughts is, um, how are we going into society now, spiritually? Are we heading in the right direction? Are we becoming more open-minded? Are we embracing more of life's um incredible gifts and and spiritual awareness or are we more being more closed-minded and are we more transfixed now on the bullshit mm-hmm. are we more transfixed on um the image the ego the eccentricness of like what social media can bring whereas i think maybe now the internet is also awakening minds it's, it's introducing like us to the world it's introducing us to people like um spiritual teachers uh, and we're also being introduced to the opposite end of the spectrum as well. So it's basically, we're, we're the ones who have to make our own judgment on what we're viewing on the internet or what we're doing in each and every single moment that'll justify who and what we are and what we're wanting for this life. I mean, the quote I'm actually living by at the minute and I've been I constantly trying to drill this into my mind every day, every, every nearly every hour really, is the things that you look at change. When you when you think of them different, oh, sorry, I butchered that. It's gone through my mind all day. The things that you look at change when you look at things differently. It basically means to me that if if I'm focusing on something, however I view it, is however I see it. So I, I stubbed my toe the other day, and um, I literally that thought came in my head, and straight away I thought, all right, I'm gonna look at this as an opportunity. I'm gonna avoid that table next time. Yeah, it hurts, and that hurt, that pain's gonna be the lesson that I'm gonna use for growth in the next. And it sounds ridiculous, but immediately when I put my thought into that process, that became a positive positive outlook. Mm-hmm. And it's like I was saying before, what I'm focusing on, whether I am being more egocentrical, if I'm focusing on like oh, the image, how do people perceive us? What's the car? What's my car gonna be like? Or how's my house look? How is this all going to be perceiving me as a spiritual spiritual aspect? Whereas if I could be focused on the other end of the spectrum, whereas if I'm thinking, you could take away the house, you could take away the car, you could take away my name, and what am I left with is just whatever I control up in here. And that's put me on a deeper spiritual level. So I'm thinking, and might tie into your question, is where are we right now in society? Which point are we at? Are we leaning here? Or are we leaning here? And... I'm thinking with all this, what we're talking about right now, immigration, we're becoming, it's like society's trap of going, yeah, we've still got this over you. This is still going to be your little ego. You still, you know that you want to defend your country, your yeah. your community, your loved ones. These are your weaknesses and we've got this now for you. And they haven't aware. There's so many people I know who really are completely against any other culture invading their territory mm-hmm. exactly i know so where do you think in like spirituality we're at mm. i think i want to try and really think about it you know what i mean i don't want to just like try and give it no, my no, heart's no, telling me heart is my heart is telling us that more people are waking up to it to who we truly are and i think that is coming through with information more people are be coming more aware of 
of who we, we've always been as human beings. Like we've always been a race that's mm-hmm. interlinked with other cultures. We've always been humans that's migrated due to climate change and things like that. That information is seeping more and more people's minds. But I would still say that through media influence, it's still about balance 50-50. I think it's a tipping point. Yeah. I still think there's very lot of a big a lot of controversy still on both sides of the coin because even I mean I think you even just got to look at your own you don't even have to go to social media I think you just got to go to your own family and have a conversation with someone in your family mm-hmm. and bring it up bring it up at the dinner table maybe not the best dinner table or conversation <laughs> but bring it up at the dinner table and yeah. and see what people's opinions and views are on quite an important topic in my opinion and see what people say because I've done it a few times and it's never, it's never, uh, it doesn't end up in a nice tea party, I know that. <laughs> so yeah, I still yeah. think it's quite, it's quite 50 50. Yeah. Um, what do you feel? I, th- I you- think there's two sides to this, to the question. There's your immediate friends and family and the people that you communicate with on a daily basis because they know who you are. Mm. And then they know what they'll bring up with you and what will excite you in a conversation. So immediately they'll get drawn to that particular. So say it is like a spiritual aspect of life. Say they want to talk about health, mindset, consciousness, spirituality. They want they they know you as a person, so they'll bring that up immediately with you. They'll be like, "Oh Dan, so how are your training going on? Oh Dan, how's your um, how's your yoga practice? Mm-hmm. Dan, are you still doing all um, like meditation teaching um, aspect of life?" And then you will be drawn immediately into that conversation. And whereas I would be as well, I'd be completely immersed in a conversation such as that. But then there's another side where, on a global scale, where the average average um, conversation would basically just be about, oh, how's the weather? How's your daily football team? Yeah. What's are oh, you seeing that? What's going on in the news? Do you think that war in Iraq's okay and stuff like that? All constantly bringing down bullshit like that. Because that's what they're portrayed is like what's the current trend topic. Yeah. Whereas you as an individual, on an individual you might see it as like, yeah, like I've I've noticed like loads of people are now opening up because that's what I see visually and that's what I see in in a in a small circle of communication. But on a global aspect of it, more people are gonna be concerned if England's gonna be in the World Cup final than mm. if they're gonna reach a level of enlightenment in their own mind. And that's that links me towards this way. But then I've also seen on YouTube a conversation about can um, enlightenment ever like truly impact us all? And it has like two and a half million views. And you think there is a mo- huge market towards this. I mean, so there, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know where it could be. It could it's, be it's sometimes hard. It's not, it is sometimes hard. I think. It, there is it, there is a big shift, but it is sometimes harder because sometimes when you, when you when you start educating yourself, it's hard for you to to really analyze other people's minds because you're so blinded by all this amazing new information that you're looking into and these alternative ways, and you're trying and you and the shift in your mind's already gone, but then it's hard to to analyze it in other people's minds and also as well within that also remember where mm. you were because if you think back in your mind now. <coughs> of the point of where you weren't awake, you didn't know you weren't awake. 
Mm-hmm. Do you want know, like try and go in your mind now and, and imagine when you, when, like your old self? You can't really, you can't imagine that. It's scary as much, can it? you? You know what I mean? When nah, you go to that point, nah. in your mind you can't imagine it, can you? Because it's it's sort of you're a complete new person. It's well, you you feel like you yeah you're completely right. You are a new person, and I remember like looking back now at the stuff I used to be eating on a daily basis and the stuff I um. <laughs> The stuff I play, um, I did watched on TV. The stuff like I watched online. These were really like low level of consciousness thinking, and that's where I was stuck at. And this is where like, it has to become to a point where you think that I deserve better. I cannot sit around and wait for this to change. It, I mean, Tony Robbins's quote: um, "The p- change happens when the point of staying the same is more worse than the point of change." And that is completely true. And you have to get to a point in your own mind, your body, your soul, where you think something has to effing change. Mm-hmm. And this is where you really have to make the impact. Because if you don't move at that point, you'll never move. And right now we're in society where we're being told if we don't make a change now, we're never going to change. Because we're always going to be stuck in here, this path. And that's what I feel like. Maybe it is. Maybe I feel like we are st- stuck in a path where we're struggling to reach like a, a global level of enlightenment. And that's and that goes on to one of the observing thoughts that I've had from this time is that that question, what you said, that tipping point that we're at now as a civilization, I'm asking myself the question, has civilizations in the past would they also at that point mm. because evidence suggests that some of the things that i've looked into like uh, the mind civilization the egyptian civilization the atlanteans mm. the romans even if you, even if you go go uh, go even more recent the romans the greeks people like that they seem to get the points in their civilization where they were technologically advanced. I mean, I've just been through, um, when I was in Italy, I went to the city of Pompeii. I think that's how you pronounce it, Pompeii. Pompeii it is. I think Pompeii. And when you walk through that, you understand that as a technologically advanced civilization. Not in the sense of the same as the pyramids and the Mayans, but you can definitely see a lot of similarities in technological advancement, which you wouldn't presume that civilization had. Mm-hmm. But I keep in, in that civilization... We know that lasted, I think it was the Romans lasted 1,500 years on the planet it was, around that era. A long time. And that civilization crumbled. The Greek civilization was, I think, 10 years. They crumbled. 10 years? Is 10 that years, that's all it was, yeah. Jeez. Because it integrated into the Roman culture. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long the Mayans were around. I'm not sure how long the Egyptians were around. But they were civilizations that st- standed quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And they, we know that they don't exist anymore. We're a civilization now that I would say modern. How long would you say now? Without technological advancement? 200 years? I'd say 250. 250, 250 years. 250 years, would you say? Maybe. Yeah. That's, probably, that's definitely room for movement, but you know what I mean? So, how long are we going to be here? Probably say about 1600s or something. We started really making changes, didn't we? What is going to be our downfall? That's what I'm saying. Are we going to be the same as the Egyptians? Are we going to be the same as the Mayans? Because I think one of the messages that a lot of these ancient cultures are trying to tell us is that don't don't be your own downfall. Maybe like we did. Mm-hmm. 
because I think like Graham Hancock talks about this way he talks about maybe civilizations get to a point get to this tipping point of technology where they have this technology and they get to this point and they just don't do the next right thing that the next right move like on the chessboard they take the chessboard too late like we could take a point now like the Egyptians there's like there's there was a in that period of where all them civilizations were living like the mm-hmm. Mayans the Egyptians all the other different civilizations around at the time they got to a point something happened on the planet it completely changed their whole civilization asteroid hit the planet wiped them out whatever we could be at the same point where we're getting technologically advanced and we're just at that point where we're either going to destroy planet earth and or an actual disaster is going to come and wipe us out we're not mm. we haven't we're not focusing in that area to try and solve that problem and so waste now resources on weapons of mass destruction fee and going around the country and killing other people yeah it's so like we could be the civilization that we're at now could be at that tipping point where we need to try and because that's what that's what i keep thinking in the back of my mind i, I get the sense for some, some reason i get the sense that something is just around the corner i don't know why i think every culture thinks that i think we've all thought like it's interesting i think it was charles manson <laughs> I'm interested in bringing up Charles Manson on the podcast there. But Charles Manson actually uh, once said, I think every culture thinks it was, um, thinks it's the last remaining culture. And um, I th- uh, sometimes I think, yeah, we we were on the verge of actually, we're the civilization that needs to make the change. I mean, I don't, I don't I think all I, cultures. I don't think the last remaining culture, let's get that correct. I don't think the last remaining cu- culture. I think, the, I think just the end of what we have. Mm-hmm. Just like the Egyptians wasn't the end of human culture, it was the end of end what of they. It was the end of what they had. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. It's interesting because when we talk about um, like the Egyptians, we're now the difference between the Egyptians and the culture we've got now is that the culture now is more Westernized, which is countries all over the world, whereas in Egypt. Is basically just in one country. See, I don't, I, I don't think it is. Do you know? Not the evidence that I've seen doesn't. The evidence that I've seen doesn't suggest that. It doesn't suggest that Egypt were just a secular country. And I think this goes back to what I was initially observing. Me thought I had, I which is similar with the Mayans back around, like that. Is I think that it was a we were, we were living in a period that had the ability to. To, that was interlinked with many other different civilizations and the research from this I'll give a few things on top of my head mm-hmm. is and people can research this is if you look at the design of the Egyptian pyramids it has T-shaped pillars like the design of the rocks of how they interlinked with all the building work the structure, structurally mm-hmm. and that same T-pillar shape is very unique but it's also in China it's also in Peru it's also in Mexico it's many different parts of the, around the globe. This mm. certain T-shaped pillar design is around the globe. And also as well, um, which to back this up as well, is that map making. So in the book, uh, Fingerprints of the Gods, I was first brought me attention to this uh, piece of evidence. Supposedly, So supposedly human beings didn't have the ability to map the globe or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And there's this map called the Perry's Perry's map. It's called, 
I think that's correct. But if you write that in, if you write the Perry's Perry's map in, in YouTube or wherever you'll find it or Google, it'll come up. And basically what's really interesting is this, it's supposedly the most oldest known human map that's ever been found. Oh, wow. And it depicts all the continents the exact same way they are now, which is really interesting. And this this map is being like carbon dated to the oldest to be the oldest map ever. It also, which is f- interesting about it, is that it depicts Antarctica with no ice on it. So the continent of Antarctica has no ice capsules on it. It's basically just a landmass. Mm-hmm. So that suggests that a civilization in the past, around that time area, time era, had the ability to map the globe, to map the planet. And if they had the ability to do that, there is a huge argument that they had the ability to, I don't know how, you can make your own assumptions, to interlink and mix with other cultures around the world just like we do now. Like integrated in so that's why I don't societies. So that's why I just I know for a fact that <coughs> Egyptians weren't just a, a civilization that was um, secular from anything else. I think they were a pot, they were interlinking and in, in trading. A, a and global economy, really. Everything. I well, think they had a cool global understanding of the whole world. Well, that's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, it does make you think. Of, it does put you in a big state of wonder about how powerful the Egyptians were, truly were at that point in time. I mean, at their height of power, what were they? What were they given to the world? They were they were given us a deep understanding of knowledge, wisdom. I'm not. Was it? Uh, how would they have like went in, into other civilizations? Would they have integrated and begin a trade process, or would they have been more of a conquering, more like Genghis Khan? I'm I'm not too sure whether these were just in it for themselves. I mean, the, there's so many like vast unanswered questions about about our time because we don't know about what's truly about our past, and that's scary because we don't know our past. It means we we don't really know our future. If we knew that's why it's important, I think, to know who you are before you go forward. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think when we're at the point now, we can easily look back to like the last three hundred years and calculate on the persona of where we're going. But to look in the past four thousand, three thousand, two thousand, one thousand years years ago in the past, we have to start analysing deep, meaningful questions such as what's gonna happen? If we're continuing on the trajectory that we are in a thousand years, ten ten thousand years, can we sustain this way of living? Mm-hmm. Can we can we create um, a culture globally that would bring everyone together, unite them? Can we create a culture that can be enlightened? Can we create a culture that can work together instead of against each other? Can we create globally? culture that emphasizes the point of being a human being instead of being all individuals because i i don't like did the egyptians do that did the is any culture ever did that is it i think that's good 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 questions i think that um i think the past could can be a, a map for that it can help you figure that out because the the past can teach us a lot about the maybe if we learn a lot about what they did and they must find out the mistakes that they made. I mean, there's even even in the Great Pyramid, there's like 
there's like uh, supposedly there's rumors that there's people who 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 deciphered the message is actually like um the purpose of them was to send messages to, to us mm. to tell us of what they did and how they how and why, where they went went wrong so they actually built so there's rumors that they built them as a sort of a time capsule to preserve their information and what they what, how they went wrong to pass it down to us to mm. tell us when we get to this technological point this is just to warn you basically to start to get shift in the gears to start moving forward i'm yeah. trying to think what i was going to say there again we're well, saying that's why they built it all in stone doesn't it mm-hmm. Wait, that was what i was going to say again want to refer to one of your points oh yeah about the um it also as well if we start and that's what i think one of the one of the i know this is a conspiracy but this is one of the main things around why history in school isn't taught i mean in school we're not taught about why you're not taught in school about Atlantis? Why in school you're not taught about Gobekli Tepe, the oldest megalithic structure ever found on the planet? Why you're not taught about all the different pyramids around the world? You're not taught about them. It's still not in schools now. Why? This is like cutting edge new information that's coming forward that great alternative minds are bringing forward, and this isn't in the in the at the forefront of school. And and and, and uh, one of my theories is that is because gets back to what the question that you're saying before is that history can show us who we are as a human it can it can give you an insight into who you really are and if one of the one of the conspiracies that's out there is that the divide and conquer conspiracy is that if you if you're a one with someone else of a different religion if you're one with someone who is of a different race of a different skin color as you and you understand that genetically you're not very much different from everyone on the planet and we have all interbreeded and whatever Mm. If if uh, if that is the case, then you might not want, you might allow your real brother and sister to come and live in your country. You might allow, you might not want to go over to another country and deplete all their resources mm. in the name of terrorism, because you understand that they're you, and that's like the bigger conspiracy around it. And if we start understanding our past and understand that civilizations have been interbreeding and cultures have been different cultures have been in Lincoln for thousands of years mm. that might show you it might show us who we really are and that's what a schooling system or establishment that's designed might not want you to know about your true self true think, human being I think there is a lot of that there's a lot a lot of that that we're not even remotely aware of and I completely agree and I I think that's a that's a really good point to analyse because when we have to look at other cultures other cultures can provide a unique benefit to you. They can they can provide um, a different way of thinking, a different approach to life. Something that you may you may disagree with, but the mere fact that you're disagreeing with it, you can then analyze your own life and go, "Well, look at the way they live. Look, they don't do everything right, but look at how they do this." And I'm going to integrate I'm going to integrate a lot of that into me and in my my life. So there is. There is benefits. Unfortunately, throughout history as well, there's always been like a form of discrimination between other other cultures. I mean, the Romans when they were um, over, they were conquering uh, Germania. They just thought they were barbaric tribes and and stuff like that. They they couldn't, they'd never seen any benefit beneficial towards any any of their culture integrating it with them. Or the same with. Um, the same with um, Native Americans when the pilgrims were coming over. 
they felt like the white man was just there to, to segregate the um the land and who they are as a as a race and unfortunately that turned out a lot be, be true to be true yeah so we've had it we've had a lot of times in history where a vast culture has opened their hearts and their minds in there to that to yeah. to a tr- to to like to a degree open themselves up to to give themselves a possibility to be connected with other civilizations and then the leading civilization the leading um civilization has come in and what's what gone against their trust basically yeah um the spanish did that as well and do you hear about that story it's, it's happened it's happened all over time just tell you about the story about spain being you know when the the spain went over, uh, the spanish went over to um i think it's either mexico or peru it was i might get this wrong the Aztecs is that Peru, Mexico? All oh, right, but they basically went over to the, the Aztecs, and the Aztecs basically, the the Roman, uh, the Spanish, went over for the gold. So they wanted to trade. The Spanish wanted gold, and in return, they were going to give the Aztecs. I think it was some sort of mineral, or maybe maybe salt, or some sort of mineral anyway, or some some sort of trade, some sort of. Uh, nutritional wise food, some sort of food and the Aztecs couldn't believe that that the Spanish would trade something of of something like that of something that would actually would be fit, like for food mm. for gold so the obviously Aztecs were would happily sort of give over the gold for something that they class as more valuable obviously the greed of man wanted gold <coughs> mm. and basically what happens is they did they did the trade and then the second time that the Spanish came back the were in the city and they went against the trust of the the, the Aztecs and the slayed, I think it was 2,000 Aztecs. Jeez. Because they were already in the city. Because the, the, and, the, and the Spanish knew that if they could gain the trust of the Aztecs, be within the city walls, that they could, because they had the, they had uh, they were domesticated horses, so they could actually had the cavalry to get in the city. And that's it. This is, I've read about this, it's really interesting. And they understood that they only could do that. And if they didn't do that, the Aztecs would have, because they had the Aztec, Aztec people had much more, uh, had higher numbers of civilizations, so they would have easily mm. beat the Spanish. But because the Spanish gained the trust, got within their walls, they slayed like 2,000 people. Disgusting. Jeez. All for the name of gold. Well, that's that's the case of man's greed. And, and man's always going to be at a point of greed. And that's what's that's what's going to put me in the tipping balance of it. it's always going to be at the egocentric because there's always that part of history where man's being greedy to the point of his own demise, and that's what maybe what the Egyptians suffered from. That's maybe what all these vast civilizations of the past, the Romans, the Greeks, the Egyptians, maybe these have suffered a way of of believing their own hype, sort of here. Their ego was eventually their own downfall, and. It could be similar to. Uh, we don't have to look at vast civilizations. We can just look at um, ourselves. Look at ourselves. <laughs> look at look at a big business right now. How a big business can all, all somehow think we're untouchable, and then all of a sudden, within about two or three years, or some scandal can come out, and eventually stocks would plummet, and that vast civilization of a bit great business is now being being nothing, being nothingness, and this is where. I'm thinking now, right now in history, I mean, like something I, I was thinking of there was um, 
you know when it was about when you were telling us the story about the Spanish taking the gold from uh, the Aztecs mm-hmm. well I was thinking about the story of Genghis Khan and um, when Genghis Khan was he was going through China with the um, the Mongols when he was going through China and he was ravaging all um, the Chinese um, the beautiful Chinese culture he was taking um, clothes and jewels, everything, and but they they were probably the most um, richest civilization going. The Mongols, after the to what they they had. I mean, I was learning all this from Dan Carlin's um, Hardcore History. Yeah, brilliant that. And when he was talking about the Mongols, and he was saying they would they would take the, only the best clothes, but they would just they would just live in them. Like they would have no respect for them. Because they were like barbaric in their own like their mind and their culture that they eventually just become rags. Mm-hmm. They just wear them out thin. I mean, because they didn't care. They didn't care about how they looked. Present. They didn't have a presentation about themselves. They didn't care about themselves in in that type of aspect. It wasn't about the um, about becoming a better culture. It was just becoming a conquering culture. And I think or surviving. I don't think it wasn't about surviving. It was just about taking over any bit of land that they could. I mean, pure they, dominance. Yeah, pure dominance. And there was um, there was another culture, the Persians, at the same time. And the Persians were vast in numbers. They had, a, I think it was over a million troops at the time. And the Mongol army was vastly in numbers as well. And they always had a truce. And the Persians were, because they both feed each other. And um, the Persians, something happened. And the Persians ended up going to war with the Mongols. And the Mongols just, the Persians with this vast culture just got ravaged by the Mongols and, and they destroyed cultures. They didn't create cultures, they destroyed them. And they went all the way as far as Italy. Or was it Greece? It was either Greece or neither neither Romans. But they got so far to European Euro, European lands that they were the one of the closest nations there uh, sorry, closest civilizations to conquer the world. And now uh, what would have happened if the world was conquered? By someone as such as Genghis Khan, um, someone who didn't have building up cultures, he was taking away the cultures. We wouldn't be here now with with two microphones and um and a camera because we wouldn't have been culturally adapted to like create that. And you don't know how things are gonna play play out, really. You can see if but, but you true, don't, true. don't know the fully. No, it's like the story of the butterfly. If it can, the butterfly lands um in one place. Nothing will happen, but if a butterfly lands somewhere else, then a typhoon, the other end of the world can happen. The butterfly effect. There's so many fractions in life. It was um, when you were saying there about, you know, we've been talking about civilizations of all throughout history have been like one civilization goes in and takes all the rest, takes everything from the other civilization, takes all the land, everything, gains complete dominance. I was actually viewing in my head the same scenario happens in nature with ants. Mm i seen a program once where the aspect of ants, what they do is when they go and when they co- go in a, they have a huge colony of ants, they go over to another colony of ants and they completely just kill all the other worker ants and everything and take over all take from the nest, all the resources. And even I think the queen from the, of a, of a nest as well gets teared apart and used in their colony. Jeez. So it's crazy how there's this like, um, there's always these territorial battles in nature, isn't it? It's crazy how the, there's also this like 
interlinking of what happens in nature and also happens within man and maybe that's maybe that's maybe we're going against how, how we naturally are maybe that's maybe maybe in nature maybe i don't know if i was gonna say maybe nature is but i don't know we are of nature as people say it's a hard one really because because that to a sense as well i'm also aware that's got us as a civilization to where we are now mm. and it's like the analogy of something some bad use like i think you said this on another podcast before i think it was the episode before this actually you said you need to crack a few eggs to make an omelet <laughs> <laughs> probably that sounds like me i do eat a lot of eggs <laughs> <laughs> but maybe um because i think sometimes when we look at everything that's going on on the planet and we perceive history we look back and we like look back at the time of the romans and we see that as like like a few thousand years ago that to us seems like so far like so long away mm. but on a like a cosmic aspect that's yesterday no oh, yeah it's not even yesterday it's like a second ago it's like you a millisecond ago it's like you going in the fridge and choosing a bag of crisps instead of eating a piece of fruit mm-hmm. but then you can change that you can change that straight away <laughs> that's a, that's incredible how we're at that point it's like now. the perspective of like how how our mind perceives things is like how it's like it's like that's all oh, that's just yesterday that's yeah. a day but I mean, on, a, on a sense of a universe it's yesterday is a sec like just it's just that <laughs> completely not even that probably i mean what i'm trying to get part of this, this. So, be, so basically what i was trying to say is is that is that is it just a is it just a perspective thing like are we overthinking it is the universe like going to be self-correcting anyway is it just a part of the universe's plan? Is it just, mm. is it just a, if you have the perspective that, and I'm not saying you surrender to this because then you might not change, anything might not get changed in the world and you might just allow bad things to happen. Mm. But what I'm trying to say is, is that maybe, maybe it's just a part of the universe's process and we, we think, we perceive with our human perception that it, it is taking too long, but maybe it's just everything's going so fast. Yeah. I think I think we're always in that search for perfect. That was what I'm thinking, Liam. That we're always hoping that the next thing is going to be the thing that takes us to the next level mm-hmm. of humanity. Whether it's going to be a pill or something like that. Yeah. Well, we're always searching for an external thing that we're going to hopefully find our way in life. But ultimately, the beauty of life at the main and and it goes back to what we were talking about before is when we're talking about the nature aspect of um, when we look at like not just human aspects of life we look at say as like an ant colony like you said where it's all very territorial and then you got to when I was starting to talk right at the beginning of um, this conversation when I was talking about integrating different cultures these ants aren't integrating different cultures and it's and so maybe people's just going off what their natural instincts are. Is that somebody's natural instincts to think this is my ant colony? You come here, you're invading my territory. Yeah, protect. So just like bears, when I'm seeing when you watch a nature documentary, you see two bears fighting over some territorial lands because bears are very territorial. And you see all these different like aspects of nature defending who they are. And is it wrong to question man? When they when they're defending their own space, because it seems always been so throughout nature in nature's history, 
is it wrong to say you shouldn't be like that? You should be more like open-minded. Is it wrong to say that? I'm not. I don't like to judge anyone as a character or anyone for any thoughts or feelings towards anything in life, and that's hard to do, especially when it comes to stuff such as um, rape and murder. You can't. Mm. It's hard to like put your mind into a rapist or murder and and to install a forgiveness pattern. And and if you can do that, strong strong power to you. But when we were looking at them, if someone wants to just defend what's theirs, see their culture, their territory, their country, their football team, whatever it is, are they just following nature? Mm, that's an interesting question, that. Are they just following nature? I think there's a lot steeped in within it, so it's hard to distinguish if, is it just nature? Because my thinking is that it's not just nature. It's a. Uh, there's no doubt that we are something different to the ants. There's no doubt that we are something to the bears. Mm-hmm. I think that's easy to see that. I think there's a lot more steeped within it. I think there's a lot of cultural engineering steeped within that. Because I think it gets back to what we've seen before. If you get to the core of what who you are as a human being, you'll realise that there's a fine line between what is actually yours and what is someone else's anyway. Mm. If you really understand that, you'll, like I said before, you start researching of civilizations who have, have been inter- who've been interlinking as a civilization for God knows how long. This could go for millions of years in my mind. I don't know. Like we get Things are just getting older and older, older every single day, new evidence all the time. But I think it's a... I think it's an interlink. It's, I think it's an interlinking of many different things. I don't think it's just nature mm. with human beings at the moment. I think. I think with it, it might actually. There might be. There might be some truth. I want to put a figure on it. There could be a little bit of truth in it. But what I'm seeing is, in everything else that we're doing is, we're going are we against everything that nature has taught us anyway. So how, as a human being, I can't see how. Because I would say that ninety percent. I would. I know it's a figure. I wouldn't put a figure on it. But let's say ninety percent of of what we what we were as a human. You know, if with our relationship to what nature and our interaction with interaction with nature, that's gone now. You mean like, it's not, like I would say that we we're domesticated. Yeah, I agree. So I, I don't are our tendencies also domesticating? So I don't know. I'm just trying to analyze everything. It was just a no, no, raw raws out. I'm just trying. To, <laughs> it is raw. I'm just trying. Uh, it's a good question. I'm, I'm the same as I well. Don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think as well. Um, I think there's just so like every answer. I think there's so much steeped in with one thing. There is. I mean, uh, like fundamentally, you can't you can't go wrong with what you're saying when you're saying we're we're vastly disconnected from nature. And this is an interesting point as well. What makes what makes nature think it's right? Just because it's it's been there for a long time. See, like say these ants fighting each other for for territorial rights. Bears fighting each other for territorial rights. Is that a weakness of nature? Is nature perfect to the point of everything's perfect? Are we actually getting to a stage now where because we want everything, we want everyone to have like a bit of equality, we want everyone to be connected and we want to help one another. We want to be we want to become like one global community filled with like love and maybe a possibility of enlightenment, enlightened culture. Mm-hmm. Maybe nature couldn't provide this because it was so fought territorial over stuff like food shelter community maybe they were break maybe 
I'm just thinking of like uh, in terms of what were the basic foundations to be to survive really such as like what's what all these creatures on earth would fight for when we've taken that away what can we truly analyze ourselves because we're not we're not worrying about food we're not worrying about shelter we, what, when, we need, what happens when the basic needs are met and that's because all them are yeah, even, exactly even out of nature as well because everyone who's still involved with nature is focusing on the basic needs of life the basic needs of survival such as like bears ants and anything else in in nature whereas we right now we've had our basic needs met so we're trying to in a sense better what nature's already provided us which is the natural instinct of a human being to become better to evolve and maybe we are this can sound ridiculous but maybe we're better than nature's original intended plan well it's interesting because we've seen before about nature like how you said that you at the question it's a good question like isn't could nature be wrong it's a fucking powerful it's question, a really good man. question because i was thinking if you look at certain things in life that is on the outside looks like a natural cycle like certain things certain bacterias and processes in nature end up like like there's certain bacteria that'll take over a tree but it needs a tree so it needs the tree to survive mm-hmm. but it'll just it'll completely just take over the full tree that it takes away the tree and then that same process kills itself so like we as a human race is like the same thing as cancer inside ourselves cancer needs a human being to survive but the cancer will take over the host and it'll kill the host and it'll, in the same that same process will kill itself it was a quote i can't remember who said this but it's an amazing quote and it's been in my mind for ages and it said that evolution isn't always a good thing whoa and I let that let that simmer in your mind because I've let that simmer in my mind for a while, long time. And I was at first when I heard that, I was like, "Whoa!" Because initially, you just think that natural processes in life, like what is going on on the planet, is it's everything's perfect. It's mm. it's the way it is. But when you have that perspective in your mind, maybe that evolution isn't actually right, and ev- and evolution isn't always a good thing, mm. because evolution is like. You can start. You can start using it as well for your own life as well, and you can start analysing yourself of that evolution for us as a human being is telling me and you to reproduce. It's telling everyone to reproduce all the time. Reproduce, 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 reproduce. Mm. But you know what happens if you keep reproducing, reproducing, reproducing? Things become overpopulated. Too many people. Not enough food on the thing that you're on. Mm. So do you know what I mean? You can yeah, use it for your own. You can use it for your own life. It's a really good. Uh, it's a good question. It is it? actually. It's could evolution. Um, when you said that, what what came to my mind was we had a guest on before, and I can't I can't remember who said it, but they went, um, "We're never devolving," because I asked them the question. I can't remember who it was. I might have been Prince E, but I said, um, "Could we get?" Are we um with the way we're living now, are we actually devolving as a species? And he goes, um, we're never devolving. We're always evolving, whether that's good or bad. So never getting the idea that we mm. devolve, we evolve. But the direction of evolve that's, is it, is that's, it a good that's the contemplation. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was Prince A. I might be wrong. I don't know if you can remember that. Or I've not. heard on a few people say that, but it's a good point. Yeah, it is a good point because we always attach ourselves to this thinking of 
when we get here it's going to be better when we reach this that's the that's the pinnacle and i do it now I, i'm still like that i'm like oh when we get to when we get this many downloads when we get to this point in the rankings when we get uh, to to this many patreon sales and i'm i'm still very ego challenged and very very like competitive just like the ants are in like nature in early stages of nature i'm not at the point where i'm thinking where i can just switch off my mind and just go that's it if i could just walk into the woods now and just meditate under a tree and be like the buddha for the next 40 years i'll be fine mm -hmm. i'm not at that point in my life and i don't think i ever will be because there's something inside me that i think loves the loves the hunt loves the loves the um challenge of yeah in that because maybe i found me needs such as food um reproduction shelter maybe i don't need the needs of like fighting fighting you for food yeah maybe i need the need of fighting someone for social media status yeah. maybe i need the fight for that that new promotion at work with the other colleagues maybe i need the promote maybe i need the, these are maybe the fights that i need inside because fundamentally this is i'm never ever going to leave what nature is i'll try and and it's an interesting point because brought to my mind i'll try and bring this to the table what i'm thinking so i think like you said you've always got to have that with inside yourself maybe you, you didn't say you have but you said maybe you're thinking have you got to always have this inside yourself mm. like that competitive aspect to go in this one direction maybe you have but maybe you've got to decide your direction of what you want to be competitive in and what and what i mean by that is like we're seeing before that evolution isn't always a good thing mm. i think you've got to decide what part of evolution is a good thing because we always perceive as a race we perceive getting better technology getting a bigger a better bigger faster car getting a whatever it is is like the civilization always getting technologically advanced we perceive that is a good evolution mm -hmm. like if people just instantly think that in the mind now <clears throat> they perceive that in the head is the naturally you always go to if we have more technology we're going to be better mm -hmm. but maybe that's our downfall maybe that's not maybe there's other directions to go i think you can we've maybe there's a balance point maybe you can go too far with technology or whatever the evolution is you go too far with this evolution you go too far with that evolution maybe sometimes you need to get to a point as a civilization in terms of evolution and have the consciousness as a civilization to halt yourself stop ask a few questions first and instead of just going forward take a few steps back and sort out your foundation sort out a, uh, yeah. a more symbiotic relationship with nature or whatever it is do, do you know, does that make sense no it does actually dan it does and I think it's very interesting what I'm thinking right now is in my mind is I'm trying to like strip away that competitive aspect of, of what nature has given us. And this is where I'm, this is what like, all right, I see I'm not being competitive to get that new car or competitive to, for a, a bigger community. But what about the competition and this is fundamentally where I can't find a anything anything that will take away any means of like an answer for me. But I think 
what about the competition with yourself with like the betterment of yourself such mm-hmm. as not in the, not in the fact of, an, of a faster car but the the competition of like you know what, i'm going to push my body to the next level i'm going to i'm going to make my life in like to the point of where i'm i'm happy i'm going to meditate for longer and you meditate for 20 minutes instead of 10 minutes in in this um in a period of 2 days it's that it's that period of competitive with yourself where you're going to think you know what, I'm going to be better tomorrow than today. I think without that, I don't think we would literally be here right now. I know. Here's an interesting, another side, I'll try and change it again. But within that as well, I think when you know, like if you do certain practices, like I've used the example of whatever practice I've done in my life, one of mine was training, where you would say that the more I trained, the better I got. Like as a, my body, the better my body started looking, the better my mind should should work the better, I mean, everything should change, right, basically. But that wasn't the case. I had to take a step back from that and find a balance point. And I think it's the same for everything. I think it gets to a point where you would perceive in your mind is the more meditation you do, the better it is. The more you the more you listen to podcasts, the more you, I don't know what it is, everything, the more healthier food you eat, the more healthier you're going to be, the more balanced you're going to be, but it's actually not. Mm. you'll actually start finding that you'll find your own balance point you'll start you'll start getting a point whatever the thing is and you'll have to tailor back you'll feel it with inside yourself does that yeah. make sense do, do, you, know, you know what i mean yeah I'm, I'm wondering there is the balance point and i'm trying to use and i'm and thinking of it now what i was saying before about when i was i made the argument before about was a civilization you always perceive tech not getting but the more 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 technology more this more that more that's better as a civilization now, I'm feeling that that's not the case, and a civilization also needs to tailor back. Do you think, I think in, there's points, there's balance points in areas of life, such as like um, your health, your fitness, your mindset? Do you think you should reach for a a place of balance and steer there, or do you think we should just keep going? Like if you're yoga, if you're yoga steered, how it was right now. I think you should always in life. There's a I don't want, I was going to say a quote, but I can't remember it in my head. But there's it's basically a quote, and like it's a, what does it says? It says, "How do you know who you truly are if you haven't like if you haven't took yourself to the to your complete maximum to your complete limit?" I've basically, heard something very similar. Something, to that, something similar to that. I've heard something very similar. And I think. I think it is good to take whatever whatever it is. It's to, to, I think in life to find a balance point in spirituality, to find a balance point in health, to find a balance point in every every aspect of life, even as a civilization, to find a balance point. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is what civilization is doing now as well. Actually, thinking about maybe the civilization has got to go to that complete extreme where it's not at one with nature and it's just uh, we're living in a everyone's in virtual reality goggles and watching vr porn and you know what i mean like maybe the civilization has got yeah. to go to that point just like i think i think in my life i've had to go to that point in many different aspects of my life that a complete ultimate point just like a, a, a addict a certain addict would go to that complete breaking point to realize that's not what he wants or you or someone who is completely who somebody has an addiction to, to prostitutes or somebody who has an addiction to money someone has addiction to drugs pizzas mcdonald's coca-cola they go to that ultimate point to realize that that's not 
where they need to be and mm-hmm. then they take the step back and find their balance point and everything that i've done i'm not saying i've had the pizzas and the mcdonald's to that breaking point but i would say that i've i've done the yoga for six hours a day mm-hmm. <laughs> i've i've tried meditating for three or four hours a day you don't get you don't have a life mm-hmm. you don't you, you 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 become disbalanced and everything else yeah many different things and he's and the other one i've done as well is is i've done this what i learned in italy as well and i've i'm this is something I'm still working on and I understand that this my me, me balance point's getting better now. But there's a there's a balance point with me where I was eating all you know, I was eating loads of healthy food. That's all I was eating was clean eating all the time. Mm-hmm. And but then when when I was going away to a culture, a different culture and and indulging in their culture and experience their culture, I wasn't allowing myself to do that because of my own preconceived notions in me in terms of health. So mm-hmm. that when I give myself a weight of that and allowed that into me, a part of me, and, and let go of that extremism and brought back a little bit more balance, I found that the culture side of that actually balanced me health even better. Wait, so I think there's balance points all over. Does that make it harder to no, digest that? Does that make sense? Yeah, because I see it as um, I see a very interesting, very interesting um, comparison to how insulin reacts in the body, where there's a massive spike and then it's the crash. Whereas where you introduce high carbohydrate, boom, straight away, and then you have your crash. And that's what I feel like what you're getting at is you're saying, well, you can go to the extreme, but you will have your crash, and which is true. I mean, you can't sustain something such as, say, I'm a marathon runner. I'm going to run marathons every single day of my life. I can't sustain it. And I couldn't sustain doing 6 to 8, 10, 12, 15 hours of yoga a day. I couldn't sustain doing 2, two to 4 to 6 to 8 12 hours of meditation a day i love meditation i i couldn't do that but i know like um the balance point for me is continuous growth but not to the extreme continuous growth where i am improving i'm focusing a little longer in meditation i'm maybe lifting the extra weight that i I said i was going to do maybe i'm more happier to someone each and every single day I, I don't know if there's the balance point really exists in life. I think there is a there is um there's a place of comfort but there's there's always has to be a place of growth in the mind and I, whether it's just never never has to be the extreme of 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 life. You can just find a beautiful comfort in the growth every day. I like that. I think I don't I think there is a balance point but I don't think it's fixed. I think the balance point changes with you. Yeah, that's a good point. That's what well. I think it is. I think there's a balance point that changes with you. And I also want to say as well is that, just while we're on the topic of balance as well, don't use the word balance as a justification to do all the things that you know you shouldn't be doing mm. as well. So like let pe- like people have listened to that now, let that simmer in your mind. That's probably the best. I think I don't even, there's not more to say on balance there, by the way. I, no, think that's that's, a good point. I was looking back thinking in my head there, there's probably um that's probably one of the best. Probably got to be one of the best dissections of balance I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's good fun. That's Maybe good. that's my ego balance talking. <laughs> <laughs> it was good though. So we're an hour in, and we still haven't talked about immortality yet. Next one, man. Next one. <laughs> no, nah, let's do it. Let's do oh, it. Well, let's talk about it. But before we go to immortality, this could be a two-hour of this. Before we go to immortality. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about one of me observing my thoughts. I've got still got two others I definitely want to talk about. 
and have to get the Monty Psyche. <laughs> oh. So I can move on to something else. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm all ears. First one is Atlantis, which I've been looking into. So that's fake. Like I said before, that <laughs> wasn't real. It's it's fake according to Wikipedia, and it's fake according to most of the mainstream articles. But mm. if you start doing a little bit of digging, you'll realise that it actually was real players. You reckon? I really do. I really think there's a lot of evidence supports it. And that's one of the rabbit holes I went down. So this rabbit hole, from you know that first question I opened this observed me thought with mm. about us being this idea of us being this individualised human. It was false. I went all the way from that down a rabbit hole looking into the refugee crisis, looking into the ancient Greeks of how cultures were actually interbreeding all over the place to finding all the way to Atlantis. And why that ties into that for is because now how I come to it, just to give people a bit of an understanding of how my thought process came to it, I found out a bit of piece of evidence that within Atlantis, it populated one million uh, people. That's the rumours. It housed one million people at the city, the city of Atlantis. So supposedly, if anyone doesn't know what Atlantis is, look it up. But basically, it was an advanced, supposedly an advanced civilization, advanced city, whatever you want to call it, advanced culture. The no one really knows where it was on the planet. There's arguments that it was in the near the Atlantic Ocean. There's arguments that it was further near Asia, further in Africa. There's rumors that it was all over. So many people even say that Antarctica is now located at Antarctica which is another interesting one. There is some evidence to suggest that could be a possibility as well. But who knows where it was anyway. Hmm. And they supposedly was a... Atlantis was a place that had spoke... had a population that housed many different languages. So people were coming in there from all over the world, coming to Atlantis, trading, speaking different languages. And I wanted to read something as well because I wrote this down, right? And this is just a quote from Plato. And he said... This is in relation to what an uh, sorry in relation to what Atlantis looked like. He said there were alternate zones of sea and land, larger and smaller, enriching one another, and free of which were water. So if you listen to that and then you research Atlantis, you will see this the the famous uh, picture that's been depicted of it from what Plato said, because mm. that's the best account of what he was saying. Plato, the philosopher. And he said that it had three outer rings. And there's a lot of theories that suggesting that the reason why it was uh, created like that, which I think is fascinating, was that so that it couldn't be took over from outside and it also couldn't be taken over from within inside. So it was very thought about by the architects who built it mm. to understanding that a threat from within inside Atlantis and also a threat with outside Atlantis couldn't fully take it over because of all the different outer rings that goes right at the centre point. Oh wow! It would always be each ring would be different. Really wow. interesting, that isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And Plato, right? You also said, which was interesting. You also, and this is what you said: Is it real? That's question that you asked, which is a good question. Is it real? It's always going to be the first answer. Question: Is it real? And I just want to put my argument across. Plato also said, "This is one of quote." He said, "He said it was also destroyed by the depths of the sea in a day and a night," and that's one of his quotes. So these, there's an event which Graham Hancock and Ronald Carlson talks about. If you look up their research, it was do they called. Think Atlantis is real though. Mm-hmm, they both do. Graham Hancock writes about it in Fingerprints of the Gods. I'm not sure if he's wrote about. I can't remember if he's wrote about it in any of, of his books. But it's basically an event called the Younger Dryas event, and anyone can search that up and look it up. And basically, which correlates to why it's a massive possibility in relation to what Plato said there, which is quote where he said also said that was destroyed by the depths of the sea, day and night. 
So if you look into the Younger Dryers, which is really interesting, which Ronald Carlson's done a lot of work on, and Graham Hancock, that there's a theory that there was a massive change in climate, sea levels rose, at the same time period that Plato states that Atlantis went down, so the two dates correlate together. All right. And in that time period, according to all the estimates of some sort of natural disaster on the planet, climate change around the whole of the globe, sea levels rose, climate changed, tectonic plates of continents shifted and things like that. Mm. So that is massive evidence to suggest that Plato was correct and was right. It matches up archaeologically to all the data that people have found. So that's a big body of evidence as well. Mm. And um, what else was I going to say again on it as well? I've lost my trailer thought there. I can't remember what I was going to say. You got any questions about it? It's interesting though. It really is a really fasc- fascinating thing. People need to look. People need to look into it because you're not taught about that in school. You're not. Not, not no. many people talk about that. As, um, and that, that was de- really when good. I when I obviously read Graham Hancock's book and them two dates matched up mm-hmm. with what Plato's statement was about when it actually supposedly went down into the younger Dryas. Really yeah. fascinating. There is a there is a good um, observation of it in. You remember that book I gave you before? Um, I think it was a uh, science explained, or and one of them was like um, mysteries explained. Yeah. And Atlantis was in that, and it's it shows you so many bodies of evidence, which um, correlates with Atlantis and the, um, the realism of it. Was it real? Um, where yeah. would it have been located? And Plato, why would Plato, like, how would Plato know about the story? And I know a lot of people have said that it's uh, Plato made it up. Uh, well, that's one of the arguments. There was heard. one. This is, and this was, um, and this was what I believed on it was there was a um, there was a a large um, a large uh, not, I don't think it was a city, but it was a um, a large mariner mar- marina where loads of sh- ships were held. And he got the idea, and which was only two hundred mile away. And he got the, and when he seen the um, ships getting destroyed, he got the idea of Atlantis from the from the imagination of like seeing all these ships and a big civilization getting destroyed. And it had a very similar name to Atl- Atlantis as well. I think it was the the Atlantica and something like that. And so many people correlated with maybe he just got the idea from or a story he heard from. Mm, yeah. Alright, chip board. There is a lot of geological evidence to predict that that there could have been an event, a magnitude that could have taken down a huge civilization at that point in time. And the story of Atlantis is—it's not—it's not one of mainly just. To me, it's not a one of did it exist or did it not. It's the story of the Atlanteans, which was the more, which is more prevalent. And the story of the Atlanteans was it because they got so engulfed in their own belief and power that they were their own destruction. And I wanted to bring this up when we were talking about the demise of civilizations. I was going to mention the Atlanteans. They start they started going against the gods, sort of say. And even though they worshipped Poseidon, the king of the sea, the god of the sea, sorry they were in disregard to Zeus and the great powers of of um 
of the of God, of the God King of Gods, mm. and he basically used Atlantis as an example that for man's greed to be kept under control. And the story of the Atlanteans is that he wiped out their whole civilization as a reminder to us that no one is exempt from the the wrath of God. And we should always we should always keep ourselves level headed. We should always be at a point of stability in our own minds and the Atlanteans with their ego driven mentalities the sto- the story to me is always premise of to know where you are in life and to not be disrespectful to to where you are so to me even though there's a lot of geological factors contributing to well the realness to as it exists mm-hmm. the story itself is is beautiful even if it, even if it's not even if it's wrong yeah yeah and, but i'd love to know like the there could be any body of evidence that can come out within the next 10 to 15, 20, 30, 100 years because we're getting so te- technologically advanced that we can detect when how old things are. We can detect if they were used by a civilization. We can detect from the, the era of when the civilization was used. We can actually get to the point now where we can really truly analyze an event and this is the making of where we're at now. There's a lot of evidence as well suggesting though, you know, that uh, a lot of people have researched and who believe that Atlantis is actually located in the Sahara Desert, underneath the, de- underneath the desert. Because well, supposedly the Sahara Desert is actually the size of the whole continent of America, you know. Well, so they believe that there's a lot of areas that's been, like, obviously they haven't, can't even get anywhere near. And they believe that the sand could have uncovered it, which I think is really, imagine if you just, in the future, you just do come across Atlantis it'll be fascinating that and everything's still relatively because it went over because the sand went over it or and the water went over it whatever mm. the sea it's in this it's still preser- quite preserved see it's like um, a, a civilization lives under the sea now doesn't it I've heard that one as well um, there's a lot of pyramids underneath the sea in Japan Graham mm. Hancock spoke about that a lot there's some good pictures if you type in on YouTube uh, pyramid underneath the sea there's a lot of divers that went down and there's pyramids supposedly a little bit smaller than the Great Pyramids underneath there. What the hell built them? What Probably. on earth built them? That's that's what. I but that's the know. thing about that story is that that's underwater, and that's in the story of advancement within human evolution. Shouldn't suggest of the the distance of of how that's underneath the water. It suggests that that's the story that we have been told by mainstream. Mm. That shouldn't be the case, and the evidence of that being underneath the water proves that that was there was a the the Dayton proves that the civilization was a lot older than we've been taught do you know when we look at like um structures such as atlantis and we look at sorry civilizations such as like atlantis and the egyptians and we're about to talk about immortality as well it's kind of like all these um these parts of immortality when we're talking about in an individual biological basis like me and you, are we going to live forever? No, we're not. Mm-hmm. And I can accept that. And I know the biological aspects of it. I know I can't live that. But stuff like Atlantis, it will live forever. And they say, why is that? Why is that? Because there's a lesson attached to it. And lessons go through history. The lessons have always went through history. And the idea of Atlantis... And 
the Atlanteans' greed and the Atlanteans' betrayal of the of God. These are lessons which we mark in history. Is it's like it, it's basically like the Bible. The Bible's like a long, a long-winded how to be, how to really truly live your life, mm-hmm. how to not be an asshole. That's what the Bible is. And when we're really reading it and you dissecting it, why is these things lasted so long? It's because of the lessons, the lessons of life. And we live through lessons of life, just as such as not to touch the hot stove. We live through our entire existence knowing that the hot stuff's hot. We don't touch it after we've done it when we were a kid. So we pass on these lessons of life. They're our immortality projects. Biologically, can it happen? Maybe. If we if you're looking at the people such as such as who we had on the podcast, what was he called again? Um with a beard. Beard have had loads of people with beards <laughs> on. Everyone who's in spirituality's got beards. No, nah, we had we had someone <laughs> with an awesome beard, man. Um Aubrey de Grey. Aubrey de Grey, yeah. And when we had Aubrey on, Aubrey Martis. <laughs> no, um, Aubrey de Grey. When we had Aubrey de Grey on, he really, he really set like um, some sort of like immortality project in his own mind. It's it's one like lesson what he's formulating, and this is what his he even though he's going on a biological scale of of cellular re- um cellular regeneration which is kind of like what stingrays do but anyways what he's doing is he's creating his own immortality project not just on a biological level but on a, a level such as himself so if he does it so he can help people live for another 200 years just through cellular re- or even 130 say the average lifespan for a human in 15 years time was 130 years old because someone Aubrey de Grey introduced cellular regeneration regeneration, and if he could do that that's his own mortality confirmed just like Achilles the reason why Achilles went to um, I know we're staying on the subject of Greece here even the reason why Achilles went to um, went to Troy was because his, his he talked to his mother and his mother said you have two choices in life you can either go to Troy and you can be forever cemented in in history for eternity. That would be your immortality. Or you could be, you could stay here. And you could find a beautiful wife. You'll have beautiful children. But if you go to Troy, you'll not live long. And you will, it will be your demise. But you will live forever. And so what do you do? He, he went to Troy. And what happened there, then was, he got an arrow, shot through his Achilles heel. And it was his weakness. And now forever, we've always had the Achilles heel. Because we know that was his immortality project. And there's many amazing quotes in Troy. I think we've mentioned them before. Yeah. I think um, they like the gods envy us. I love that yeah. quote, man. It's, and it's true. It's amazing that. that it's it's the, um, the beauty of life is that death is the... It makes it much more special, the exactly. fact that we die. And, and that's we, why the gods envy us, because they live forever. And they don't experience the, the that window of time where you have to do some where you have to salvage that moment. But you give immor- immortality to that. You lose the wisdom, the the wisdom, the wonder. Because death is it's not just um, something to be feared. Well, it is to be feared. But it's also to be respected, because it it puts you in a moment, a moment in time where you think this can be taken away like that. 
and immortality, even though it should be it should be pursued by many men, such as like Aubrey de Greer. There's there's a part in in life where you need to accept the beauty of just of death. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's funny because you were talking about how you used examples of Achilles when he just he decided to go and risk his own life for the essence of immortality. There's a guy called um, Stephen Cave, I think he's called. He wrote a book called Immortality. I haven't read it, but I've, I've read a, I've read like read a little bit paragraphs into it. So you know, you get synopsis online and stuff. Mm. And he one of the whole synopsis for that book basically he has a body of evidence suggesting that the reason why human beings are drawn. I am um, basically he basically says that immortality drives civilization is the main driver of civilization. Well, which I think is really interesting. Cause I think that's true as well. <laughs> really is. So on the topic of immortality, so many questions. <laughs> First one for me is the question of you talked about Aubrey de Grey saying that he he's on the the bandwagon of biologically doing it. There's many other multiple ways as well, which come to my mind is what Ray Kurzweil talks about. Mm-hmm. And he believes that on the last Observing Our Thoughts, we talked about longevity. And remember how I said that Ray Kurzweil just believes that health is just the first bridge to immortality. Mm-hmm. So he's, he ha, he how he puts it, he puts it into three different bridges. The first one, I think he says, he says that, so you take care of your health. Because Ray Kurzweil takes like something like six hundred pills a day or something like that. So that's his bridge to the next stage. The next stage where he believes, which actually um, I heard Elon Musk talking about this as well. Talked about how the next stage is going to be nanobots. So we're going to have little nanobots that's going to go inside and see if you have like a certain disease. It's going to be able like fix or like just find a certain thing. That's wrong with seeing how we're getting to that point in time now, aren't we? Crazy, isn't it? So like obviously he said as well that's gonna be like this, the nanobots are gonna be the size of like tiny little blood cells. You're not even gonna be able to see them. That's crazy that. And then he, then Ray Kurzweil talks about the next step. He says so from nanobots it's gonna to go to us putting our consciousness into a machine. Yeah, that's the integration with AI. AI. But the question is that I have about that is, is see if we get to a point where as a civilization we we can put our consciousness in a machine mm-hmm. is that really us when that transfer happens because is or it just going to be a copy is it just going to be a copy of you yeah what would you what would you class us as would you class us as like as like blood and in the um, matter or would you class us as th- class what us is as thoughts well I would the question I'd ask are do you class us as mind or do you class us as something else do you class us as that as is like your I class is, my do you class you as your habits? Do you class yourself as the decisions you make? Do you class yourself as the things you believe in your mind? Yeah. Or do you class yourself as something deeper than that? I class, That's the question. I class my consciousness as who I am. I don't class... Um, like It's interesting when you see, oh, it's my hand. That's my hand. You chop a finger, that finger is not just going to just like attach straight away. It's not going to be your finger. It's not going to have any integration, integration, integration with your, with your hand. Mm-hmm. It's not going to. It's not going to know it's your finger. Mm-hmm. It's just a finger. That's what it is. With your thoughts, your consciousness. 
your understanding of well-being, your knowledge, your wisdom. That fundamentally for me is you. That's 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 hard. That's what it is. That's hard. That's that's one of the vast. It's like it's like we're talking like what is consciousness, and I'm trying to like describe it as what it's what I am, and I'm trying to describe what consciousness is. Fundamental question that vast scholars all over the world in ancient history are trying to ponder for uh, millennia. ponder for millennia, and I'm trying to answer it in like a five minute conversation about losing a finger. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. Um, but for me. I can't never get to a point where I can understand truly what consciousness is, where each and every thought relies lies in in my mind or my body, wherever wherever it may be. You ever be. seen um, Westworld? Have you seen the? Yeah, have you seen Westworld near the end, end episodes yet or not? What the first season? The second season? No, I haven't seen the second season. So you know yet. what? You know what? Towards no, the second yet. season, there's a uh, scene in that. This is a spoiler alert, by the way. But there's a la 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 <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> but basically, there's a guy. In that, who was he's the, he's one of the main, him, he was one of the guys who owned the park, basically, right? And right. then his young, his younger son inherited the park. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, what he did is he set up a circumstance in one of the last episodes where he had his dad set up in many, di- like he created his dad in the form of like basically what I've just said. He transferred the consciousness oh, in wow. many different EIs. So basically, he, he created as either a copy or consciousness make your own mind up when you watch it but just imagine he made a copy of his dad and i think he made um i think he said uh, 148 copies of his dad Jeez. and the reason why it was 148 copies for was because he said that he was trying to uncover what the human being really was what a human being really true was and he just found out that a human being is actually just a collection of 140 different decisions and 140 different choices. Wow, I've got to watch that again, Melee. Really interesting. I really need to watch that second season. So you said that the human, a human being isn't really conscious. A human being just is just a collection of, of different patterns and different choices. Gee. And he had his dad like in 48 different scenarios and he was like, they were testing them as a massive like scientific experiment and he just had him in all these different circumstances. Crazy, that, isn't it? That sounds brilliant, man. I need to watch that again, like... Um, what was I was gonna say again, again as well, well, Dad. Oh, can you envision? Can you can you envision though in the future? Because I, 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 there's a part of me where I can see it in the future where the super rich have the potential to have immortality. Because that's where it's gonna go first. Mm. They're gonna put money into. They're gonna, the some some rich guy is gonna come along, like which is happening now. Some rumors of it happening now, where they're gonna put all the money in the. They're gonna go to China or somewhere, or Japan, where they're just plowing forward to do this because they're on. I in believe that. China and Japan now they are just ploughing forward technologically to try and find the cure to immortality. I think there's going to be. I can envision in a civilization that, yeah, that the, where the super rich, it initially the super rich can can live forever. Yeah, I believe that constantly. I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they have to keep like a low profiler. Mm. Well, you wouldn't know anyway. There's that many humans in the world, you just wouldn't know. Exactly. Kinds of. Um, it's kind of reminds me of that film on um, Netflix. I think it's called Selfless, with uh, Ryan Reynolds and um, I think it was Ryan Reynolds. I can't remember the other the game guy, but he was a multi billionaire who puts his um, who puts his consciousness into a um, marine, and um, he starts to like, get to like a new lease of life, and then he starts getting flashbacks of like um, it's a, the marine's original family. So he, he can't stop like thinking of this of like a family who he doesn't know, this millionaire, 
and um, he has to try and like work out what these memories are what he doesn't understand and it's it's an interesting concept of of transferring your consciousness into something else does it is it you really you mm-hmm. and that's where it makes you wonder like if you're transporting consciousness into another vessel see whether it being ai or see it being another human are you transporting you or are you just inheriting something else or is it not even you at all that's when we have to attach the question. These are deep and meaningful questions about identity, ethics, true power, true um, true emotional self, self-actualization. These these are true acknowledgements of um, the deepest, the deepest emotional questions that we're going to have to ask ourselves. Where if we can ever get to a point where this can be viable, we're asking. We're going to have to ask the questions: What does it take to be human? And that's that's when it, that's when that question just becomes from two ordinary people in here talking about it. I think it's to already. Like a global. A, I think it is already a philosophical question though that has to be answered because we had a when we last time it was quite a while ago now it was maybe two years ago since we spoke all the degree you know. Yeah, that. that's probably. I think I we're, we're actually going to get him back. He's, he's going to come back on as well, you know. Yeah, I know. That's he's... a spoiler alert. He's going to be coming back on in the future. We're hopefully setting that back up again. Mm. That would be interesting, but. He was in. He was under the notion that it isn't a philosophical question. It's something that we should just do and go forward. But I'd, yeah. I'd, I, I, dis, I just, I just, I still disagree with him on that. I still think it's a philosophical question. I think fundamentally it has to be a philosophical question. I can't see any other way about it. What it is, it has to be a question where we have to. It starts with ethics and starts with, is it morally right? Should we do it? Yes or no? And because you've got to, you've got to imagine in your mind what what is a never-ending life going to be. Mm. that's what you've got to ask yourself what's a never ending life going to be is is that going to be is that going to be that's the question is it going to be right how long are you going to how long do you want to live for how long's right to live for how long's mm. enough how long till you get bored these are important questions because this is going to be this is going to be integrated into, into people's just just like we have technology now where the iPhone is going to be integrated into the younger generation they're not, they're not going to know anything different mm. The 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 i the the idea and the sense of immortality is just going to be on them. It's going to be a part of them who they are. So they're just going to do it. Yeah. How long is that going to go on for? <sighs> we're our own guidance system when it comes to that. That's what we truly are. We're a, we'll allow anything if it if it um attracts our attention. We'll keep it going as long as we need, as long as it'll keep our attention until the next big thing comes along, and not put. Nothing will ever top immortality when it comes to when it comes to life and existence. I, I reckon a lot of if we got to a point where immortality could happen, we would lose a lot of we'd lose a lot, but gain a lot. We'd gain a lot of knowledge, wisdom. We'd see and do a lot more. Would be incredibly gifted with what we can imagine. But then we'd also, I think we'd also lose a lot. I think we'd also lose the touch of like, of risk, of like, adventure. I think we'd lose a lot of, I think we'd lose the, what it truly takes to be human. I think there would be an essence of that. Have you seen all, have you seen all the carbon yet? 
No, not yet. You have to watch that. So that's basically um, sort of distinguishing the question of like uh, immortality. So basically, what they do is they transfer their consciousness mm. to to like sort of other bodies. That's like so the the poor sell their bodies. Yeah. So the poor would sell their body, and the fam- their poor their their family would get the money and stuff like that. So they're taken like from the poor, so the super rich can just live forever because they just keep paying loads of money for all the bodies. And they, and then they can live forever. That's a, there's like a war going on between like people who don't want that anymore for people, and then. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if if something like that can actually be plausible, in in our current, in our current state of like where we're at now, through technology. I mean, in 1993, we cloned Dolly the sheep, and you say, and and it's like there's been no advancement. You perfectly cloned a sheep, and in 1993, in what is it now? In in nearly was it twenty five years or something? Twenty twenty five years. There's been no advancements on on the uh, the fact that you can clone a sheep. No, I don't believe that. In twenty five years, they have went from completely cloning a sheep all the way to cloning a human. I wouldn't be surprised right now if there was cloned humans walking amongst us yeah definitely completely 100% 100% I believe there is a clone in this world wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise you would it nah it would not one bit man and the thing is with these clones though these clones they're, they're, I don't know if they're in the public eye but what I do believe is I think they're getting monitored they're getting monitored with their integration in society I 100% agree with that. that a full 100% believe that there is a cloned human out there that integrated in society they're getting watched interacting with other people with humans you wouldn't know the difference would you no nah. I could be one you wouldn't even know that you would of course you wouldn't know the difference you wouldn't you wouldn't even know the difference if you what, what if you were programmed to what if they don't know they're a clone that's what I was just going to say what if you were programmed in your mind to not believe to not know that you're even a clone and you just think that all your all your patterns and behaviours just like everyone else and really you haven't got <laughs> consciousness you're just a you're just a mechanical human being can't can't mechanical being can't mechanical person. Definitely, brother. Imagine that. I can imagine it. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. Let's wrap it up. <sighs> Boom. Peace and love. Peace and love, everyone. Boom. Another deep rambling, observing our thought there. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. We definitely enjoy these conversations, and these are some of our favourite to do, and we know that you love them. And all we ask of you is if you can consider supporting the podcast via our Patreon page or our donation option that we have now. We're never going to bombard you with silly ads. So anyway, we love you all. Have a great day and a a night wherever you are in the world. And just to play this podcast out as always as we do on these Observing Our Thoughts, this week is a recommendation from myself. It's a song by a guy called Kim Churchill. And the song is called Don't Leave Your Life Too Long. And to me, this song symbolises that how in life we have to do the things that we want to do right now. So anyway, peace and love. And I was walking one day through the big lights Wondering when the world became so tired Bottles of vodka flashed as a Coca-Cola sign shone like moonlight And I wondered when the world became so wide 
in the clearing of the streets it was all tiled and in the corner stood a tree in a cage and in the screen on the side of a skyscraper stood a war child nestled in amongst the stocks the shares and the sports scores of the day I was traveling one day 